0: Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. McGraw-Tower, McGraw-Tower, this is
1: Albatross 13, requesting permission to land, over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane.
2: Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Proton bolts, Check. Two. Check
0: control. Check. One.
2: Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Isley. this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start.
1: This is a journey into sound.
2: Hello and welcome to Docking Bay 77 podcast. I am your host, Dayton Johnson, and this is indeed a journey into sound because we're going to talk about the sound of white noise from the band Anthrax. And joining me is a fellow thrasher. eh, Sure. Thrasher is John Wright. (laughs) Welcome back to the show, John. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. We you were just uh here when we talked about the KISS records. That was a lot of fun.
1: Yes, it was. And there'll be a eh, I'm sure that you know we'll end up tying that into this before too much longer,
2: too. <laughs> I already brought it up once. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right. So before we get into the record uh sound of white noise, do us a favor, like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. If you want to interact with uh, the podcast, you can do that on Twitter at dockingbase 77 pod on Facebook at dockingbase 77 podcast and you can send us an email as well, DockingBay77Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to help support the show, you can also go to Patreon, search DockingBay77Podcast, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can help cover the cost of the podcast. So i like to announce we have one uh one patreon uh subscriber tim brown who was also on the kiss episode with you thank you tim for uh supporting the show and make sure to check tim timothy e brown on youtube and check out his entertaining videos there we go i even you know got tim in the into the conversation he'll appreciate that <laughs> what a suck up i know right <laughs> okay so like i said we're talking about the sound of white noise from anthrax now I've been a fan for a while. Um, when did you get into Anthrax, John?
1: Man, I I'd heard of them before, but I probably really didn't start getting into them until probably not not until after you and I met in college. I, right. I mean, I I had heard some the stuff from Antisocial and you know the and the well, I'm the Man. I right. heard that stuff, um, but I just wasn't my listening was really limited like specific genres at that time and i hadn't right. you know you know that's something we'll discuss i'm sure on another podcast that you and <laughs> i have chatted about but i just wasn't listening to a lot of anthrax and the rest of the big 4 and that right. changed your it's your fault
2: yes it is and i'm glad to say it is my fault i will completely accept responsibility for that you know broadening horizons and you know bringing you to the dark side
1: <laughs> i was already on my way you just you know you're the you're the, you just offered the cookies
2: right that's very true um i mean i was so was this the first one of the records you bought uh the first one of theirs i bought was
1: probably no definitely was um persistence of time
2: Oh, okay okay cool
1: yeah it was either it it was either that or state of euphoria i'm not for certain okay
2: yeah yeah those are uh persistence of time was a was a great record that's another episode but yeah yeah um i actually was into them pretty much right after i got into metallica it was kind of like you know part and parcel uh you know i listened to metallica so there's megadeth there's anthrax and to a lesser extent uh slayer so i listened to all the big four uh, back in the 80s and I still own my vinyl copy of Anthrax's Among the Living, which is my favorite of their records. Um, but yeah, I still have my vinyl copy. And so yeah, I was big into them at that point. Um and have been ever since for the most part. So uh yeah, very cool. So John, uh you prepared a brief history of the band. Why don't you in en- enlighten us? How about that? Enlighten
1: us. Well anthrax was formed in Queens on around july 18th and 1981 according to our friends at wikipedia um it was founded by scott iron scott ian and dan looker i, I can't Look, put yeah, it it's am horrible with yeah. names yeah yeah, Lilker. yeah. Uh, the band was named after a disease said it sounded sufficiently evil um you know the various lineup changes throughout the early years they started out primarily as a cover band as 99.9 percent of all great bands do so many Uh, Yep. yep they eventually um added vocalist neil Turbin in september of 1982 started gigging around new york and new jersey played some shows with metallica uh if you ever see the metallica documentary there's some nice little asides from scott about how they fed the band yes um, because
2: metallica had no money yes <laughs> he mentions that is in his book to uh uh i am the man yes the loser's lunch balloon <laughs> on hand right <laughs> um in september of
1: 1983 uh the most one of the more famous members of the band aside from scott charlie benante joined right on drums they were soon um signed to John Azula's Megaforce records for their first single slash demo type right. release soon. after, uh, That was their debut album. Fistful of metal followed in January of 1984. And they were joined not too long after that, but released by Benanti's nephew and roadie Frank
2: Bello on bass. Right. Right. Um, Done. Don Loker was, he left the band and went to go form a nuclear assault nuclear assault yep um
1: turban and anthrax had a rocky road for going from that far <laughs> forward and that's
2: putting it putting it mildly
1: yes um <laughs> supposedly according to eddie trunk who was working for Megaforce records at the time he badgered john zazula scott ian and the rest of the members of anthrax to fire turban because he didn't like his vocals right um Turban was replaced by Joey Belladonna, probably the better of the two known singers, or better known of the two singers, I should say, Right. Um, in 1984. And they released the Armed and Dangerous EP. There, there was an attempted tour with Black Sabbath, which was canceled four dates in due to Glenn Hughes' voice problems. Metallica then hit, or I'm sorry, Anthrax then headed overseas with Metallica. Right. And toured with metallica um from september 10th to september 26th the day before the bus accident that took cliff burton right uh the band's third studio album was among the living was released in 1987 this is the one that basically put them on the map right this right is where they this is where the the themes of comic book sci-fi horror and Stephen King novels really started to become what they were known for. Yes, they did. Um, big hits off that one included um, Indians. I am the law, which was based on a British comic book called judge Dredd, which I
2: love. <laughs> I started reading it because of that song too. <laughs> You're probably not the only one. I know I'm not <laughs> <laughs> um, going forward in 1988,
1: the release state of euphoria. Best known for its single uh, Antisocial, which is a cover by a French band named Trust. Yep. Yes, which they had to translate in the studio because it was (laughs) the original version is in French. Yes, it Uh, is. uh, Following that, you know, they toured
2: extensively again. They seem to be very big in Europe about this time. As Uh, in most metal bands coming up are. That's very normal. Metallica was huge over there before they were here. So,
1: yeah. They had a killer tour in Europe, though. They took Living Color and King's X with them on tour in Europe. And I would have paid. Oh, my God. Paid, I would have given my right arm to see that show. That would that have been is, a great show. I mean, oh, my, my God. That is amazing. Um, it came back, uh headlined with um the Headbangers Ball Tour with Exodus and Halloween. And oh. in 1989, MTV sponsored a contest with which the winner got their home thrashed by the band. <laughs> For, uh, which that led to the inspiration for the married with children episode which right. they had a brief appearance in um 1989 they released Persistence of Time which we briefly touched on right um it's a little bit more serious than um State of Euphoria and Among the Living starting to see a more darker turn tone within the band um they toured that year or th- th- those following years 91 with iron i'm sorry with iron maiden and then yep. eventually with the clash of the titans tour with megadeth and slayer and allison chains
2: which we had front row tickets to and the show yeah. in cincinnati got canceled and broke my freaking heart
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we did get to see Lollapalooza, you know yeah is, but it's, it's not quite the same no but. it wasn't the same <laughs> that just broke my heart yeah um 91 you saw them team up with public enemy for a cover bring the noise which yes. is by many people considered to be the first rap rock crossover at least right. the first successful one and possibly the verse uh, the birth of new metal which people will debate whether or not that's a good or a bad thing right um then they uh, you know couple eps throughout there attack of the killer bees equal micafuson or panicafuson excuse me and the aforementioned appearance on married with children um not too long after that, Anthrax parted ways with singer Joey Belladonna, which is listed as creative and stylistic differences on certain sites and certain sites say it has to do with personality and drug use. Right. That's, that's The band's never really commented one way or the other, which brings us to Sound of White Noise and the joining of John Bush.
2: Right. I knew of John Bush because I was a fan of his other band, Armored Saint um right I, I had you know their earlier stuff uh, raising fear in march of the saint and of course uh shortly before he joined anthrax uh, his band released uh symbol of salvation which was another really great record from them yeah, so i was incredible I, I, that, yeah. that's a great album yes it is so yeah i was familiar with him and i yes i was upset that joey left but when they replaced him with john i was like yeah okay that i, I can i can see that now i found out later through uh some books and whatever uh like i said uh, Ian's book i'm the man is really good and he touches on it and also uh if you want more information on the band um through them and anybody that's been in the band as well as people that know them uh on anthrax's youtube channel they did this docuseries where they went from record to record talking about you know each one and what happened around that time uh the docuseries is awesome and uh, Ian's books are awesome but um I found out that at one point, uh, Metallica was looking to hire John Bush as their front man. Yes. And yeah. So that would have been an interesting turn of events. I, I, and honestly, I think I would have been okay with that too, because I, I kind of prefer John Bush's voice over Hetfield's. So I think that would have been a very cool tour. And I,
1: I would have been okay with that. Well, one of the, one of the sites that i would read said that they had actually auditioned the lead singer of death angel to replace Joey.
2: Oh, okay. I'd have been cool with that. I love death angel. They're good too. So. um but yeah, that'd have been interesting, but yeah. All right. I'll just
1: go ahead and say it. I'll get the cat out of the bag early. <laughs> this is my favorite lineup of anthrax. I love Joey. Joey is great. Right. But this, this is when the band really gelled for me.
2: Right. Well, and uh, I mean, John did do four records with them and then Joey came back and with Bush joining their sound changed. I don't think they changed genres. They're still in my mind is still a thrash band. But uh, there's definitely a, a change in um, the songwriting. Uh, the darker lyrics continued, um, and which you know we'll get into as we talk track by track. But uh, yeah, I was cool with that. You know, um, it, it. I think for a lot of people, it was a little bit more mainstream, especially with uh, the song "Black Lodge," which and only uh, were both uh, pretty decent hits for them as well. But uh, we'll get into Love. that in a minute.
1: Yeah, well about this time you had Metallica with the Black Album, you had Megadeth with Youth in Asia, which were both more commercially sounding albums. So it was right. only it was only natural that they
2: were going to do this, but I mean, the year prior you had the in the Black Album, you had, you know, Pearl Jam release 10, you had uh, Nirvana isn't ever mind and you had Guns N' Roses Youth Illusion 1 and 2. So, um, you know, it's not I mean, and then grunge kind of came into the picture and, you know, like outgo go the lot uh, of the hair bands Um, we're kind of on their way out and the music was shifting. And uh, once we go through this record and it proves that you can kind of change your sound, but not lose who you are. And they were successful in doing that with this record. So no, definitely. So, all right, let's cover some of the information about the album before we do track by track. Uh, The album was released May 25th, 1993. So almost happy birthday. Uh, It was produced by the band and uh, Dave Jordan. Uh, who had a history of mixing and engineering for the bands like The Talking Heads, Frank Zappa, and The Rolling Stones. He would later go on to produce. Uh, he produced uh, records for Jane's Addictions, uh, excuse me, Jane's Addiction, as well as Alice in Chains. There were four singles off the record, uh, Only, Room for One More, Black Lodge, and High Pro Glow. Uh, as you mentioned, this is the first uh, record to feature John Bush on vocals. And the last one to have dance bits on guitar. So after this, they kind of went through a revolving door uh, thing with lead guitar players, um, which was, you know, difficult, I'm sure. Um, As we mentioned, it was a slight departure uh, from the traditional thrash metal. I still think I hear in some of the songs, it's still there. I don't think they completely changed their sound, but it definitely there is a bit of a shift. Um, Some even called it alternative metal, which I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to be, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, The album did debut at number seven on the Billboard Billboard top 200 selling 62,000 copies its first week. Um, The album was certified gold on July 13th as of 1993. As of 2002, the album has sold over 500,000 copies. So pretty successful, uh, you know, thrash metal album. That's not from Metallica. Let's just put it that way. Just as a note, all the songs on the record, uh, were written by John Bush, Scott Ian, Charlie Benanti, and Frank Bello, with the exception of Black Lodge, which was uh, has uh, co-written by Angelo. I'm going to destroy his last name. Uh, Menti, um because sure, uh, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that's pretty close. uh Who is a uh, composer and songwriter and is known for doing um, music for movies and TV as well as the theme for Twin Peaks, which is where that uh, song takes inspiration. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get
1: there. So. Yeah. I had actually read somewhere that um, part of the deal with John joining was that he wanted to be involved in the writing of the lyrics,
2: which is fine, which I know um, after reading with uh, some of the stuff that Scott Ian has written um, cause he did most of the lyrics uh, throughout yes. the band's history.
1: So Scott and or Charlie.
2: Right. And so when, by coming in um, and John taking a lot of that weight off of Scott's shoulders, I think really worked out uh, ultimately um, and benefited the band in, on a on a whole. So, all right, first track, Potter's Field. Um, tell me what you think about this one.
1: Potter's Field is a banger. Um <laughs> good way to put I don't, it. Yeah, I don't know that I would have led the album off with this. It's not a bad choice. Okay. Um, there's another song coming up that I thought that I would have made the lead off track, but Potter's Field is is so this is where you knew that this was not, you know, to paraphrase, this was not your father's anthrax.
0: <laughs> you told me to forget.
1: Um, these guys came out. This song—it's um, still a, still a little bit of a horror theme because it's, you know, it. I've, I've read, I've heard that it's about it's a, it's an anti-abortion song or it's an abortion song, but it's told from the point of view of a child that probably should have been aborted, based on what he grew up to do.
2: Okay, yeah, uh, it's definitely one of those songs that you listen to and you're like you know wow this it's very dark um you know there's lots of you know lyrics in there that kind of make you wonder you know and you know they of course the the, they mentioned the bastard son multiple times and um it's just it's it's because to me part of it's like they you know this kid grows up to be almost like a a serial killer or you know so does you know kills or does something horrible exactly you know i'm like uh you know that's kind of terrible you know
1: <laughs> so right and he in it's told from his point of view yeah or the kid's point of view and the kid's like i shouldn't be here i should not have been allowed to do this or i should not have been able to do this right um it's it, again very stephen king like I, I could see this being a stephen king story
2: okay Yeah. Um, yeah yeah
1: but it i mean it's it's punishing i mean musically it's musically punishing yeah for those that for those that say they change their sounds to an alternative metal there's no alternative metal in this track
2: no this, no this thing is
1: metal i yeah, mean yeah
2: absolutely it is see i saw, think it's a, i think it's a good starting uh good opening track it's um, a great opening track there's one that i that i okay. would prefer to be better okay but. we'll see with this one um like you said it's definitely metal it definitely shows that they hadn't left um that genre but they have adapted to where things were going at that point and, and and it works i mean you're right the chorus the the riff and the drums and the chorus punishing is a great word for it great mm-hmm. word for it uh it has it you know i mean all the way through i mean it's it's not like um you know you know like they did on like say among the living that kind of speed but it definitely it's chunky and what i really like is uh, they do this a lot throughout the album one of the guitars is doing a, a real quick like whatever you know uh mm-hmm. quick uh pick um and then the other there's another guitar doing just a chord along with it yeah. throughout and it they do that a lot through the album and it really really works i like that layering um because one you know is very quick and one is not and it works really well together so well i think more so th-
1: more so than any other big four these guys are the closest in my mind at least to punk out of those guys there's yeah. there's definitely there's a definite punk influence in anthrax that i don't hear in the others of the big four
2: right and and all of them are known all the all the big four are known for their risk but i gotta tell you man as far as uh picking goes scott Ian is so fast you know it's just Scott's a
1: beast man he, he is mean, a beast
2: on stage I, I, and in the studio man he is yeah
1: i would say mustaine is probably techni- more technical and probably a little bit better but scott scott makes up for it in in intensity
2: oh no doubt no doubt so but yeah i I also think it has a strong finish to the song you know it's just a real tight you know it builds it builds it builds and then it's just done it and it's over yeah that that is that is
1: kind of that is kind of it's kind of fitting for the song for like because it's it's left open ended it just
2: stops like wait what the hell right 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 very good track all right track number two uh only one of the singles now yes before we get into this i did read that james hetfield uh he actually called this a perfect song
1: yeah i read the same thing
2: yeah which you know and i'm i'm not one to disagree uh it's definitely a great song um i love the uh the open with the drums and the guitar and i think it builds really really well up to the first verse like it, it, you know it's almost like it keeps adding a, a, a piece every time you know mm-hmm. like every every two measures there's another piece and there's another change and then it gets to the verse and it and it kind of changes a little bit there uh for the verse so no it's you know it, and it's listening to the lyrics again really listening to them uh when i was going through preparing for this i always kind of knew it was about somebody who was um into themselves more than they should is and also kind of uh temperamental i guess is a nice way to put it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's just you know and and i can't tell if it's um if uh, john bush is referring to like uh a romantic relationship like something that shouldn't be in or if it's just a relationship in general like, oh you i know. have some insight into that oh well hey you let me know, let me know Go right in what from what i have
1: read and heard this was written by john and scott and it's about a really nasty divorce that Scott was going through or had had just gone through.
2: Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, that's right. That totally makes sense.
1: um, This was the song that I would have picked to lead the album off.
2: All right. I, you know what? I could see that.
1: I could see that. That's probably the only change I would make to the lineup of the songs in the album is I would have let off with this. Um, This is, yeah, it's my favorite song on the album.
2: All right, all right.
1: Um, it's it's close fr- for it's, me.
2: It's close. It's not my favorite, yeah. but it's
1: definitely close. Um, well, okay. There's one more that's kind of tied to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know I, I rated them. You know, five stars. I gave Potter's Field a five star. I gave this a five plus star <laughs> because this this <laughs> this this has the the heaviness to it. But there's a little bit of that commercial hook that the other bands were going to. Um, yeah, and there's obviously a reason for that. It's it's a great song. It's an incredible song. Um, first two so far.
2: There's a ton of energy in these songs. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, and they've always known been known for their uh, intensity and energy, especially you know on the on stage, as we. Oh seen. yeah. But yeah, this you know the first two songs for sure grab you and don't let really let go. Um, great way to open a record and, uh, you know, there's no lull. I mean, they kind of they float down a little bit with the next track, but yeah, as far as uh, these first two, it's yeah, we our sound might have changed a little bit, but we're still metal. We're, we still right. have the thrash in us, and we're we're gonna prove that we we can hold our own in the changing environment. So, all right, track number three, room for one more. Now this re- this song I think has a nice groove to it. But the other ones don't.
1: There, there's a funk to it
2: yeah 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 i hear that too yep as groovy as the guitar is and i really dig the drums too charlie i, I think oh yeah as, as you know, it's not super fast or anything like that but, i mean i love charlie anyway i mean he's always been a great drummer and he makes it look so easy it makes me sick it's not i mean for him it's, they're not flashy but they're just really done well on this track i mean i remember like the last couple times i listened through it i'm like i noticed them a lot more Oh my god listen to what he's doing there listen to what he's doing there and so i think he shines i mean there's other songs on here where he is very fast and you know does a lot but this one um he really does a good job matching uh the groove of the song so that they stuck out to me and of course the lyrics i honestly with the exception of one song i think every song on here the lyrics are solid
1: yes i, I would agree I, I don't know what your song is going to be i'm sure we'll get to it yeah that'll be interesting to see <laughs> if it's the same one <laughs> um this um you know room for one more is is another one that i would have almost led the album off with it's 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 that strong of a song okay um um but like you were saying that you know you you notice what charlie was doing in the drums you know you notice what scott and what they're what they're doing guitar wise you know Uh, the fact that these guys slowed it down
2: just a little bit right right allow their musicianship to shine yeah and and that's and, and that's what's cool about this record it's like they didn't you know they knew they didn't have to go you know 100 miles an hour uh but when they do they do it right they do it very well and then when they slow it down um like there's a track later where i describe it as very patient so and they're like that you know the each song um has a feel to it there's some tempo changes in certain places in certain songs and it all works so this is another one of the songs where it it slows down a little bit by comparison to the first two um but it's it's not a ballad it's not you know it's still metal and it's still rock so it's 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 a great track track number 4 uh package rebellion how do you feel about this one I like this one
1: more so for the lyrics and the meaning yes. behind the lyrics than I do for the music. Not that the music is not good on it because it is. Yeah, it is a good track. But as you mentioned when when we were going through the history, this is the time when grunge started to take effect and everybody jumped ship. I mean, how many bands jumped ship from metal or hard rock to grunge? And, oh, I'm all about this. And, oh, I'm all about that until the next flavor of the week came along. And they just jumped to that. If this is what you really believed in, damn it fight for it right don't just sit there and don't just sit there and tell me something which is a lot of what we could probably still use in society today that's a whole <laughs> other podcast
2: <laughs> that's why because i take it a couple different ways um because they've done this before like on uh among the living they did imitation of life which was Mm -hmm. poking fun at uh the hair bands that were teasing their hair and putting on the makeup on and dressing in spandex and whatever right and you know um in this one i kind of feel they're doing the same thing but on a broader scale like you know talking about the people that are always uh trying so hard to be different trying so hard to go against you know society or against the norm and but yet you know they're not willing to give up you know they talk about anarchy or whatever but they don't really want to give up that the freedoms they have and things like that so they kind of they they talk a good game but they don't want to live up to that they don't want to actually walk the walk so to speak um if they're going to talk the talk and i take it for that and i see it also with the music too um people like oh well you know we need to do this song because you know the music is changing and so we need to grunge. But I can see your point, and I think this uh, lyrically, I think it works. If if you're going to be that way, then you need to be that way. Don't just don't just change how you dress and how you right. act, but then you know, go home to your nice house and have your parents pay for all your stuff, kind of a thing. So that's kind of you know.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. You know, that's a that's a great anarchy symbol T-shirt. Did you buy that at Spencer's?
2: Right, <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, kids. There was a there was a store before Hot Topic. Um, <laughs> yes, we didn't have hot topic growing up
2: but. well um one of the things i did notice musically about this is uh the chorus has a almost not completely different feel but it 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 it's like its own piece it, it changes enough from the rest of the song that it's mm-hmm. you know um it sounds different but it still works within the confines of the song i like that because some bands can't pull that off it's it's like part of it's so different that it doesn't make sense but uh You know, going through this again, especially I was, you know, kind of wrote down. It's like, well, that sounds like it's not quite from a different song, but it still works. So I thought that was really cool. They're able to pull that off.
1: Oh, yeah. I think this song more so than some of their other albums. There's some there's some different time signatures going on and they're not afraid again because they slowed it down a little bit um you know they took it from like 100 to 80 i'll say um <laughs> <laughs> you know it it allows for a little bit more flexibility and allows for you know a more natural change this allowed for them to, to be a little bit more adventurous to be a little bit i hate using this word for albums but to be a little bit more mature
2: no um, i i don't think there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that because you think about how old they were when they did their first record versus here i think there's some maturity in the songwriting and you know lyrics and Uh, Oh yeah! So I I agree with I'll I'll take that track number five, High Pro Glow. I will honestly say, this is the only song on this record I don't love. Yep. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) We agree.
1: Uh, I mean it's
2: it's not a bad song. I mean I I I still sing along to it. Right. Um, And I don't like the chorus. It's all right. You know,
1: it's, that's That's yeah. why I don't like it. It's just all right.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I love the open. like the opening is really strong and then it kind of is okay. The rest of the the rest of the song. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I don't skip it necessarily. Uh, but if I'm making a playlist of anthrax songs, this one's not going to make the cut. Uh,
1: it's, I would agree.
2: Yeah. It's, it's got some high, high points, high moments, but for the most part, it's like I said, if I was going to rank them, this would probably be at the bottom.
1: It doesn't seem quite finished to me. And maybe that's just because I don't, i like the title on it because i know what the title refers to um you know growing up there was a dog food that that was the slogan for the dog <laughs> yes, food. The co- yes it was the coats, the coats of these dogs they had the high pro glow they were you know <laughs> glowing and gorgeous and full of energy and all this stuff so i i, I like the title of it i
0: got that note.
1: Idle Hypro Glow and made people go, what the hell does that mean? And made them, you know, think about it a little bit more. And right. I probably I, I don't dislike. I'm like you, I don't dislike the song, but it's not, it's it's not making the cut in a mix.
2: Right. And honestly, the the record clocks in it, just almost 57 minutes. So it's not like if they lost this song, the record would have suffered. So this is the one that didn't like the lyrics in either. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We are agreed. Holy crap. All right. Uh, Track number six, Invisible. Now, uh, I dig the opening completely. I love it. It's filled with awesome riffs, great tempo changes. I love the lyrics. About, I mean, I take it as a fair weather friend. So I mean that's once, but when when you need them, they're gone. They're too busy doing something else or whatever. They it's all about them, but when you need them, they're they're just not around. So um this, you know, once again, Charlie showing up big time in this re- in this song, uh, sounding awesome. And it, actually, Dan Solo in here was one of the few that really caught my attention as well. I mean, Dan yeah. was not a, he was not a shredder by any stretch of the imagination, but he was, he was competent, but this is one of the mm-hmm. few songs uh, throughout this record, right? His solo stood out to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, this, this more than makes up for my, for my lack of enthusiasm. on Hyperglow. hyper glow. This is a nice, <laughs> this is a nice comeback track.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the guitar has is so angry just like the lyrics you know that it's it's yeah. so perfect that you know you hear the anger in the in the chords and you hear the anger in the lyrics so that well, oh, definitely. well done
1: definitely Yeah, and again, it you know, looking at the lyrics, which is something I, I seldom do anymore is look at lyrics, but I did look at some of these lyrics and um yeah, it's definitely about that, you know, that person that, you know, I've got your back, I've got your back, I've got your back. And when you need them to have their your back, where the hell are they? They're gone. Right. They're, they've ghosted you. I've never seen them really discuss what their songs are about. Well, Um, some of the
2: earlier ones were so obviously about Stephen King, you know what I mean, and comic books. So, yeah, I think once, um, because you know they got there was some political ones with Indians, of course, and uh, who cares wins, exactly. Yeah, some that were very obviously what they're about. But yeah, I think especially once John Bush joined, um, lyrically speaking, like even persistence of time, pretty much all those songs you knew what they're about, you know. But Mm. once John showed up, I think the lyrics. They were still good, but they were, had a little bit more um you can kind of read more into them. you know they weren't so obvious, I guess is a best mm-hmm. way, better way to put it, and that's how his lyrics were with uh armored saint as well, so that makes sense yeah yeah
1: i I was thinking, and i I believe this is the song that I think is the most armored saint sounding song on this one um
2: you know what I could see that i can um, hear that. and that's not a bad thing. All right, track number 7. Thousand points of hate. Good opening once again um full of good riffs uh oh you know especially the the riff during the verse is really really awesome and that's nothing new i mean ultimately with scott we, we already mentioned how good with riffs he is and stuff like that so uh the feel to this song is really awesome i like um i think it shows it's a nice mix of let's call it classic anthrax and where they were at this point you hear you know you hear both time periods i guess is a better way to put it so it's a great great song
1: yeah i'd agree um you could tell they knew who they were right but they were still trying to figure out how to basically introduce the public to this anthrax 2.0 you know like you said there's classic thrax in this and there's the new thrax in this and it's a good, it's, it's a good, I mean, honestly, this one probably could have been released as, as a single, but yeah, this, I mean, this one would have been a, for that purpose alone, would it, would it have united everybody? Hell no. But it would have, you know, kind of shown you, okay, this is where we were and this is where we are. And as you can see, they're not really that far apart.
2: No, they're not. That's why when I had, you know, people say, well, you know, anthrax changed they changed genres i'm like no they didn't they're i mean they might not have been playing 100 miles an hour again but at the same time there's definitely you know there's definitely that sound is still in there uh they were you know and i've had this conversation with other people. It's like it's some you have to grow you can't keep putting the same record out over and over and over again because then what's the point and with this they knew what was going on they'd gotten older you know they were listening to those bands too they were listening to alice in chains and they're listening to nirvana so it's not like they didn't know what was going on and you know you your taste changes you grow you know so they were able to change and they did it well so this song i think is awesome and you know well overall the whole album with the exception of one's track is pretty freaking awesome so uh track number eight black lodge it's the one that um angelo battle Uh, that did this uh, score for Twin Peaks this is the song that was inspired by the TV show Twin Peaks I guess you can call it ballad esque. You know, it's a, uh, it's slower. Um, I the the guitar is kind of haunting, in a way. You know, there's, yeah. there's, a little, there's a little vibration to it, not reverb, more of a vibration, like you know, to it, which uh, very mood, very mood oriented. Um, yeah. I think this out of all, I mean, I there's there's a song later that I absolutely love the lyrics to, but I think <laughs> these have the best overall lyrics, the smartest and most clever lyrics. I guess the best way to put it. You know, it's it's there's something going on in this song, and I really like the lyrics to it as well. It's it's definitely the most commercial song on the record, which I understand. That's why the record company wanted them to do uh, release it and do it as a video. But you know, they could have done other th- other things prior to it. But no, it's a good track. Uh, I really like how during the chorus, uh, the guitar and the vocals follow each other uh, really nicely. Yeah. Great Song, great song,
1: yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll openly admit the meaning of this song is lost on me because I was not a Twin Peaks
0: guy.
2: I can <laughs> honestly tell you, um, I did watch the show, I didn't watch it as religiously as some. Um, it was quirky and interesting, but I really watched it because of Sherilyn Finn. And if you want to know how I feel about her, you have to go to the Film by Podcasts uh, website and check out their uh, Wraith episode from the 1986 series, and when we talk about that terrible movie with her in it so <laughs> so there you go i called out the film by podcast as well every good album
1: dessert needs to have a left turn on yes. it and this is the left turn on this album yeah it's a good left turn so yes oh it's a, it's an incredible left turn i mean again it, it shows you that this band you know but this this is like where they kind of step he's like hey there's more to we're not just a one-trick pony you know right we're capable of doing stuff like this and you know i know on our some of our other albums we've talked about album podcasts we've talked about does a certain song belong on this album um hell yes this song belongs oh
2: absolutely yeah this is it's it's not so different from the rest of the songs i mean you can still hear anthrax in the song Mm -hmm. uh but it shows that they're they can do they can be melodic as well and uh do and they can slow it down and still be hard, you know, and heavy. So yeah. no, it it totally belongs on here. Yeah.
1: Black Lodge, I would say has, a, you know, you don't like the term grunge, so I'll I'll re- I'll refrain from using <laughs> grunge. Um, but it's 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 got a Seattle sound to it. See, I goodness. when you
2: mentioned when you mentioned the grunge, I could hear a little Soundgarden in it. Yeah, there's some Soundgarden
1: in it, possibly some Alice in Chains, in there, some slower Alice in Chains stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's almost
2: a doom metal feel to it.
0: Um, well
2: the thing is it makes sense that there would have those that sound especially since the guy produced alice and chains so i mean he knew that sound so it, it makes sense let's move on to track number nine now this one has the most interesting uh title and i'm going to read it to you because i would get it wrong by memory so here we go c11 h17 n2 o2 s n 20 N2O2SNA. what does that mean sodium pentathol. exactly <laughs> So it's just easier to say sodium pentothal than try to read that again. So we're just going to call it that. Um, this is a cool song. It has a great open. The lyrics, of course, which are awesome. Uh, I love everything about the song. I love the lyrics. I love the energy to it. And s- especially from the after the second chorus to the end, just totally cute.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's got that. It's got a Seattle slash punk vibe to it in the in the way that it's 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 over four minutes, but it's a quick four minutes. Yeah, it is a
2: very quick four minutes. Um,
1: yeah, I, this was one. Now I think you had you you had graduated at this point. Ninety two? No, I was there until ninety three. Yeah, this was, was the- one that I. This was one I can remember. Us, we snuck this into the radio show quite a bit. The definite hardcore punk element to this song that, you know, I can see where, where Scott had some input. I, I would assume Scott had the input on it. Cause I know he's, he's a huge punk fan. Um,
2: well, yeah, he was a big fan of the New York hardcore scene.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the cl- probably style wise, I think this is the
2: closest to old anthrax. See, I disagree. Really? Yes. Okay. I disagree. Cause actually the next song I think is the closest to old anthrax. And it's actually my favorite right. track on the album. Wow. I did not expect that. Yeah. I, I love uh, track number 10. I love burst. Oh yeah! From beginning to end, I just uh, lyrically—it's awesome. And I actually copy down some lyrics. But the fact is, all the way through, I love everything they say. I mean, but what a way to open uh, a song! Um, How much is an opinion? Way does it really matter what I say? I can't be responsible. Responsible, be yourself or be a tool. And they goes, who cares what you expect? You know, what is politically correct? All my ideas are in bad taste. Get off my case and judge yourself. You know no one else i'm like oh my god love 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 the lyrics all the way through and yet the chorus uh see the things the way i do walk a mile in my shoes don't assume a damn it don't praise me my thoughts will drive you crazy Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, this is when they, th- this is when the guy should, yeah, we can be deep too. We can, we can have some meaning, you know, it's not all about, you know, Stephen King and, and comic books. It's right. This is about, you know, this is what th- I get a lot of this, you know, this is what we struggle with every day. You know, don't, you know, don't tell me you understand what I'm going through. If you've not gone through it, right. or if you've not taken the time to listen to, to me when I tell you what I'm going through. Right don't blanking patronize me
2: (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's got that it's got um you know uh you know even has that line you know all opinions are contradictions and you know there's just so much going on in in the song and i i love the lyrics because it's like you know uh you know i'm allowed to have my opinions you know they might not you might not agree with them it doesn't make them wrong whatever and it's you know you you know you haven't walked in my shoes you don't know how i'm seeing things or how i how i live so it's it's got a lot going on and um charlie rules this song the drums in here are freaking amazing and like i said this is as close as you can get to um fistful of metal and you take their maturity and their songwriting to where they were at this point and put them together and this is what you get this song is every bit you know classic anthrax with um that early 90s production so i i freaking love it. it's my favorite song on the record by far
1: yeah and you know in retrospect now that you've pointed some of this out and it's stuff i heard before but just never really given a thought this could have been a this could have been a good lead off track too because it just for intensity purposes alone it's also the quickest the shortest song on the album
2: yeah, it's barely over three minutes. I know. It's like you know it has that like you like you mentioned a couple of different times, it has that, you know, punk, get in, get out, you know, and and just leave a nasty trail when you're done. Cause that's what they do. I mean, it's it's fast, it it says a lot in a very short amount of time. And when it's over, it's exhausting. I mean, I know the, the other day I was I was writing my notes for this, it was over. I'm like, nope, again, I want to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> and nope, again, there we go. It's like I think I listened to it three times in a row. Um Mostly because by the time I was trying to write my notes and it was over before I was done. So. <laughs> but uh, it's just such a such a great, great song. Now, we come to track number 11. Uh, the last track on the record. The longest track on the record as well. Um, finishes at just under seven minutes long. Uh, this is not an exit. Which I kind of think is funny for the last track of a record. But anyway... Um, this song, I think it's a great way to finish the album because with everything else you've heard so far, this kind of, with the exception of the speed of some of the other songs, it still brings back pretty much everything you've heard in a nice way. It's a very patient song. It lets it build and it it it's not trying to force anything and it doesn't get boring either. Just because it's almost seven minutes long, they manage to keep it interesting and they don't lose you. I love this song. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm
1: I mean like a lot of other songs from the from those guys the big four when they're long songs you know there's a lot of tempo and time changes yeah not, not so a, much in
2: this one no this one's no. pretty constant
1: throughout i mean yeah and um, like i said
2: it doesn't get boring either so they didn't they didn't need the tempo changes in this one Yeah, right, i think that's what, really,
1: f- what i really like about it yeah the only little tempo changes and it's probably not like to call them the tempo changes on the outro
2: yes that's right
1: when it slows down and they draw things out and you get that flange on the guitars right that those really odd effects they they add to it um but i think this is also like them saying you know this is not you know we're not going back this is right this is this is where we're going forwards now and you know get in or get out yeah um you know i again this is a damn near perfect album and like you said this is this is the perfect track to to end the album
2: um i mean you know it's this song is just it's good like it, like we both said it's a good way to finish um and it, it's it's you know it's nice and patient it works and you know it it goes out you know, they go out with a bang, you know it's you know sometimes you get to that final track and you're like, eh, they could have left that off or eh, they could have put that someplace <laughs> else, but no, uh, they definitely got this one right.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah there's there's not there's not a huge misstep throughout this entire album. I mean, no no this not at is all. The, really this era this era of anthrax with with John singing there's the, the what there's four albums like we said right. earlier there's not an album in that era that i don't like um even volume eight which i haven't heard that much of i do own um I yeah i recently bought one. it
2: yeah yeah i've um, never owned yeah, it until recently
1: it was really hard to find for a long time well cause yeah because
2: that was the yeah. record they got released and the company went bankrupt so it whatever yeah. was out was it until somebody yeah. else picked up the rights later
1: <laughs> exactly um you know, and they were a four piece at that time too. Right. Um, Which is weird. It was very weird. (laughs) Um, But I mean, these guys, and I said it before, you know, out of the big four, they're the most consistent and they're, they're probably the ones out of the before the big four that at least in the commercial world get the least amount of respect.
2: Yeah. I mean, Slayer definitely has their, enormous fan base and you know and they're and, and Slayer never needed never needed you know commercial success um they had enough fans to they definitely didn't need radio play cuz they didn't get it um but uh yeah it seems like uh you know Anthrax just is, is they just wouldn't go away and I'm glad they didn't uh cuz I don't feel like they've I don't I, mean, I agree I don't think they've made any bad albums there's not one I was like oh my god I can't believe I bought this so um they're the most consistent I mean you know, there. You know, there's another of the big four that I can definitely say there's two of their albums I don't own and I will never own. But anyway, <laughs> we're gonna move on past that. Uh, I wonder what those are? I wonder. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to know, you can reach out on Facebook. So, <laughs> so John, give me your overall impression of the record.
1: I, I I've said it before. This is a damn near perfect album. Okay. Um. I, I love this album. I love this album so much that I don't know if you remember, but we had that little record store up in Oxford. where We were going to school. And it's not yep. Looney T and Birds. I can't remember the name of it, but the dude had the Japanese edition of this. And oh. I went back to, I ran back to the dorm room and got my checkbook <laughs> and bought the Japanese version of this. <laughs> um because mainly because of the the bonus stuff that's on it because it's right. got some killer bonus stuff yes and you need a lot you need a lot of it on the remaster you know um the, they're all covers on the remaster with mm-hmm. the exception of black lodge with right another mix of black lodge but on the japanese version they're all covers but there is a new there is another anthrax on their song on there called noise gate which didn't make this lineup which Probably should have.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say they could um, have kicked Hypro Glow out and put that on there.
1: They could have left Hi Pro Glow on it. I don't hate that song, but Noisegate definitely needed in the version on the the version on the disc that I have, I don't think is finished. I think it's still in demo. Okay. I honestly can't remember. It's been a long time since I've heard it. But and th- and that's kind of the sad thing about it. As much as I love this album, the B sides to this, I love their version of Alfida Zane and the Cowboy song.
2: Yeah. The cowboy song is actually my favorite thin Lizzie song and they do such a good job with it. anthrax is great with covers. They're one of the, I few was going to say that they're so good. Their Kiss covers are amazing. Uh, saying, I mean, it's a cheap trick song and then like, my God, they, you know, they do it so well. I mean, yeah. Um, this is a good way and you know, not to knock Metallica again, but their version of whiskey in the jar, pales in comparison to Anthrax's cowboy song. It just they just do it right. So there's enough, yeah. you hear enough anthrax in there, but you can definitely hear uh the love they have for that song. So yeah, yeah I, I, I I was listening to that too because that's the version uh that they have on uh Spotify that yeah. I was listening to at work. And then when I was writing my notes, I was listening to my CD because physical yeah. media is better than streaming. Anyway, um <laughs> I kind of got that in there real quick. i want to do it again in a few minutes. So just be patient. Um I agree. This is, it's almost a perfect record. Uh, it's a great follow up to persistence of time. Uh, we have a lineup change. Uh, there's a music change in the, in, at the time and it didn't, it didn't phase them. They came out, put out a great record, uh, with the exception of high pro glow, which, you know, I, I could take her leave. It doesn't, it doesn't overall really hurt the record. Um, but it would have been, it would have been fine without it. So, I mean, to me, it's, it just shows that like i said earlier there are ways to evolve and do it right and not lose who you are and and they like we've both said they've been the most consistent uh, i at least i think of the big four um throughout so i think it's a great record absolutely no doubt all right so let's uh let's give it an overall rating um the rating choices are uh never again i'll stream it i'll buy it used or vinyl worthy now i will tell you i have owned the cassette i currently own the cd and i'm looking for the vinyl copy i just haven't been able to find one out in the wild so (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna call it vinyl worthy because i'm i'm trying to complete my anthrax collection collection of vinyl
1: so where's where's yours fall i will call it vinyl worthy as well even though i don't currently (laughs) own vinyl or have any means of playing vinyl I'll I'll throw you know I'll I'll throw back to our Kiss episode with Tim <laughs> and his infamous rock and roll over eight track that he could never play. I would right? buy this on vinyl and just hang it on the wall if I had to. Um, right. I don't think it's unfair to say that this album probably saved these guys' ass, to a certain degree, I don't think they were hurting for fans or anything about. It, but had they kept on doing what they were doing, they wouldn't be around today
2: yeah you're probably right and that and that happens to a lot of bands you know you don't you if you don't evolve you know then you you go away and um there's some rare exceptions acdc pretty much has been doing the same thing for you know almost 50 years so uh some people survive some people don't uh yeah you have to evolve you have to change you have to grow musically and they definitely have proven that they can do that so i agree all right so john uh Let's talk about your art uh, briefly. I can honestly tell you uh, listeners that I have quite a few pieces of John's artwork around my house. Um, He did an awesome uh, Muppets uh, rock band uh, collaboration or or mashup, I guess is a better way to put it for me. It looks pretty awesome. He did a a ghost face uh, comic book cover for my daughter's room and uh, as well as a Buffy painting that is hanging on her wall as well. So um, where can people see your stuff?
1: Currently, I can be viewed at Facebook under the tag of JW Art Studios. If you're in the greater Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio area, I will be hitting conventions later this summer. I'm currently slated to be at Lewisburg Um, in July. I've got another one scheduled for later in the year in Springfield. I am tentatively scheduled to be at horror hound this year. I'm making that official and announcing it right now. And I will be hitting up my friends at Cincy comics before too much longer for an in store. So follow me on Facebook uh, message me. If you want some stuff, let's make some cool stuff. Let's get some cool art on your walls. I do comic book. I do rock bands, you know, um, I just love to have fun with it. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how happy it makes me. I don't have the commercial success I'd like, um, but to hear what you say, you know, about the stuff hanging on your walls, that makes me so damn happy. I can't tell you.
2: Yeah. It's cool. I saw your, uh, the, the moon Knight thing you're working on recently.
1: Yeah, I just finished a, a Moon Knight. I just finished a Hellboy this afternoon while I was listening to Anthrax. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll be posting that for soon. Uh, I will have prints available on a lot of stuff very, very soon. Very cool. I've uh, just been it, with the pandemic and everything over the past couple of years. They're just, you know, getting started. I couldn't have picked a worse time to start a business.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no, check out his stuff. It's really awesome. And like you said, he does do commissions as well. So uh, let's talk about some upcoming episodes. Uh so um next week is the beginning of May. Uh we'll have some friends on and we're talking about the MCU in honor of Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. Uh that hits theaters on the 6th of May. Uh so we are doing a couple of MCU episodes. Uh the first week we're talking about our favorite MCU quotes. And then John is back to talk about my favorite of the MCU movies, Captain America Winter Soldier. I love that freaking yeah. movie. And then the big one, a two-parter for the end of May to coincide with the anniversary, at least, of the original, original Star Wars movie and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. We are going to compare, contrast, and probably get a little angry when talking about the Star Wars prequels versus the Disney-era trilogy. That will be fun, and there'll be like six of us all sharing opinions. You know, that's going to be ugly. Anyway. Thanks John for stopping by. I appreciate your input and your time.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. I'm looking forward to winter soldier and a, a couple of other surprises that you and I have up our sleeves,
2: right? Oh yeah. You're coming back to do uh faith. No More's uh the real thing. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully a few more beyond that. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on my July
1: schedule. Give me a break. I'm not pushing you, <laughs> but I really would have liked to have been involved in some of
2: the other Marvel ones. But that's okay. <laughs> Jeez, guilt trip. Anyway, I want to thank the listeners for stopping by. We do appreciate it. It's awesome to think that there are people out there that take time out of their days and a busy schedule to listen to what a bunch of uh, idiots have to say. So do yourself a favor, listen to more music. And remember, physical media is better than streaming. We will talk to you next week. This has been the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Or you can send us an email, Docking Bay 77 Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.